0: Again, Wayne Bruckman here with Allie Alvarigo School on a talk.com. Allie, Facebook Live questions answering today, huh?
1: I know it's going to be, it's exciting. I mean, a lot of people are, uh, well, not a lot, but a good amount of people sent in questions. And um, I think people are waiting to hear others' questions to see if it's their question as well. Like, you know how you're always behind the eight ball just waiting to see what happens? It's, right. It seems like that's our culture nowadays, right? You know, um, Some people are first to order. Like, for example, I'm doing my Halloween party, and um, within, like, the first week, I was, like, a third full, right? And then it's trickling in with – you can see, like, the others that are on top of it, but now the others are going to wait around till almost the last minute. I'm like, people, we're getting – we're, like, we have 70 people available. I think we have, like, 45 already booked for our party. I'm like, if you wait, I swear to you, I'm not going to be able to put you in. I'm going to have to turn you and your child away. So please don't make me be the
0: bad guy. Please yeah. just let us know. And well, then- I got a comment about that real quick. But before we before we get into that, uh, I just wanted to let everyone know that, uh, you know, if you want to be on this broadcast with us, I put a link uh, in the thread here. So all you're going to do is click on that link. Um, if you're on your iPhone or smartphone or whatever, you probably have to download the app. Um And if you are on a computer, I guess the computer you're supposed to use uh, Google Chrome, I think. uh, Or iPhone or smartphone or whatever, you probably have to download the video. Did you uh, are, are you're listening to us live?
1: Sorry. Yeah, I put it live and then I couldn't stop the speaker from <laughs> playing live. And you were talking and I'm like, let me shut off the sound. And then the sounds shut you off. And I'm like, I can't do that.
0: Right. So, right. So damn. I just wanted to, you know, just let everybody know. I put a link there and, and you can get into the, the actual live queue. Uh, you can be on video with us if you would like. Uh, if not, you can just type questions you have inside. Uh, of uh, of the thread as well. And Lewis is with us. So hello, Lewis. And um, uh, I was going to say something with regards to that. We, we, I don't know if you saw on our threads uh, that we're doing that zombie nerf war again, you know? No, that's hello, great. Lewis. And uh, so I launched that last Wednesday and last night uh, we sold out. And, and uh, so 25 people right away, you know, within basically... Uh, Wednesday and Thursday of last week and then Monday and Tuesday of this week. Wow. And my instructors last night had to turn away four people uh, because, you yeah. know, again, and, 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 and he said something to me. He goes, well, uh, he said, but that's four people that we're not servicing. I said, right. I said, but we we put a limit on it. Everything said the limit. And yeah. then I said, it's good that we had to turn them away because now they know that we're for real.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Unfortunately, though, that the people are so used to being last minute these days, I, you know, I basically see like that, uh, you know, they're waiting for something better to come along. Like like my friend, my friend, when he was younger and he would say he would describe dating as taking time with someone while waiting for something better to come along, right? That was what dating was for him. So, uh, yeah, it's it was interesting for me that, uh, you know, even with, you know, so you have those people that will right away, bam, they're on it, right? Like, they, hey, listen, you got to get in, they're in, right? Then there's that other group that I, I would call the second wave or the second phase of people that are actually, uh, they'll do it, but they're not going to rush to the first second, but they'll do it a little bit after. Then there are those that, man, they'll wait till the very last minute if and then oh by the way an hour before we'll get calls you still have space open right and, and normally we even if we did have space open even an hour or a, week, a day or two before we would say no only because you know we had to make make uh, you know accommodations for food staff and all that other stuff but um we have a halloween party coming up too where we we're probably going to have 70 kids at it right and we're right now at least about a little bit more than half full which is phenomenal for me. I'm excited, you know? So, I mean, that that's a good day. It's controllable. We have a haunted house. So it's really just a cool thing that we do. And, um, I, you know, parents love it. And they most of them jump right on it.
0: Well, let's get into uh, the, uh, the first question that you have. And before we do, again, I know we have some new people that just got on. Um, if you'd like to ask us any questions, you can type it in the thread. Or if you want to be with us on live, uh, you know, on the Facebook live here, I put inside the post, Uh, A link that you'll have to click and uh, and you can get on live with us through either uh, the app that goes along with the program that we're using and or uh, Facebook or excuse me, um, uh, uh, Google Chrome. You have to go through Google Chrome if you're going to do that. So what's the what's the first question we have?
1: So we did have a few. And the first one was uh, interesting because it came from one of our viewers, who's my student and uh, partner, um, Lewis. And he said that you answered a great question of mine the other day about exciting drills. And um, he says, uh, maybe you can talk about how to keep the training floor exciting. Right. So I have a DVD. That, um, this DVD I did, geez, it's got to be 15, 18 years ago, or at least that long ago. And, um, that DVD has taken me all over the world because people have seen the DVD, purchased it, and said, Hey, this guy's a good instructor. Let me bring him into my school. I've gone to Australia, to England, to Scotland, all through this crazy DVD. And, um, anyway, long story short, it's all about different drills that make a classroom exciting. But, Dwayne, let's why don't you take the intellectual part of it, right? Like what, what is more to it than the physicality, right? It's how we approach the class and so on. What's your approach? Why don't you share that
0: with the listeners? I like that you said intellectual as if I was going to say something smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Well, first off, we're talking retention here basically and disguising repetition as well, right? I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about. Yes. Okay. Um, well, OK, first off, you have some individuals in your classroom that um, need to have that variety uh, from a psychological point of view. They 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 just not going to whether it's ADD or ADHD or whatever it is, uh, the, the the, same doing the same roundhouse kick the same way over and over and over again is going to drive them out of your school. Right. So, um, you know, one of the things that we do uh, is we will we will take a kick and uh i i put it to my staff and i say you know what are some unique ways that you guys are teaching this and what are some other opportunities that we can come up with and so whether it is you know kicking the pad to basically learn it right or kicking in the air to basically learn it kicking a pad doing multiple kicks with it and then you know doing uh Kicking drills back and forth, and there's like there's numerous drills, right? I mean, there's endless drills going back and forth with a partner, then putting it into a self-defense scenario, all those type of things. But but to say, uh, you know, again, I don't know if I'm intellectual with this. I I I feel like you uh, set me up for failure here. Uh, No. Everything you're saying is oh. intellectual.
1: I think that you know that I'm talking about from what I meant to use. Maybe it was the wrong word because it put you on the spot. Was uh, but more from the the more mental side rather than the physical side. Like you could get up and start showing us a drill. You know that's all good, well and good. But there is a psychological part of teaching that most of us do without even knowing, but some of us don't understand. And that's what you're talking about. The first big word you said, disguising repetition. I mean, that's a big one. So so yeah. I don't know. And I like to bring my staff
0: into helping me come up with those things because if I just got to come up with them myself, um, I don't know that I'm intelligent enough to come up with a lot of them myself. But by getting my staff involved, or it could be your storm team or leadership team or whatever, uh, there's also a buy-in that happens because sometimes, right, or I should say even often is the case, they come up with a better idea or better ideas than I would have, and now they've they've given. Um, of themselves to the studio. And then when we start using those things and we, you know, come up with a name that this is the, you know, master beam driller, this is the, you know, whatever uh, it, it, it uh, also has this buy-in and this ownership that's involved along with it, which I think creates uh, longevity, with those individuals and also, you know, uh, the other individuals that are learning the master bean drill or learning the master camp drill or whatever it is. Right, right, right. I, I
1: love that. I mean, and so, so what I'm hearing though, from what you're saying, and I just want to kind of break it down a little too, is that, you know, within the classroom, you had said you could take one movement. That's let's say a curriculum based move that they have to learn. And you can teach it multiple different ways, not only in the drill form, but also in scenario-based form. So they kick across the room, they kick the pad, that's another way. They kick it on mitts, another way. They now do it with a partner as a self-defense experience is another way. And even though that may sound like disguising repetition because it's all stems off that basic front kick, right, um, it really is different scenarios and it's a different set of movements because each time you do it on a different object, a different way, it becomes its own move, right? So I'll give you an example. I had a student try out my school from Tiger Shillman yesterday. And, um, you know, the parents were unhappy for whatever reason, and, um, they wanted to come and see my school. And, um, the kid was decent, but for the amount of time he was in, he he couldn't do a few different things like jumping jacks, you know, different coordination drills that we did. But then there were other things that he excelled at, like his front kick was better than all of my beginners front kicks. Right. So the chamber, the extension, the toe pointing, the pulling back into the chamber and then down um, and and so on. So it really is all about how you teach things and how you mix it up. So they have a wide variety of ways to do things right does that, that make sense? It sounds sound yeah. like
0: and also. Yeah. And, and so then the, the other thing that goes along with it is the, what is the philosophy that you have behind your school? And so what do I mean by that? Um, are the martial art techniques more important than the fitness techniques? Are they the same or is it opposite? Meaning the fitness techniques are more important than the martial art techniques, right? Um, because that's going to dictate how much time you spend on certain things. Right. And what you're going to be lenient on or not lenient on. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if that's disguising repetition, but that needs to be taken in consideration as well. Um, is good good enough or is perfect good enough? Right. Um, you know, I I come from the standpoint, and here's how, how I, I we run our program. Beginner's class is – uh, 60 40, 60% serious, 40% fun. Now, right. it's not to say that we don't do the techniques correctly. Um, but am I a little bit more lenient at that level? Yes. Intermediate 70 30, advanced 80 20, junior black belt 90 10. The last six months before your black belt is like 97 and three. And so I, I look at the individuals as a, uh, a, a, a something like a statue I'm going to carve out. Mm -hmm. And if I take too much off and it was a piece that should have remained, I can glue it back on, but it's not as strong as it was had I chiseled it diligently and delicately um, with precision as opposed to going, nope, it's this, it's this, it's that. So my approach to that is going to then dictate how I uh, disguise the repetition, what I am going to use to disguise the repetition uh, with with regards to my my students. So your uh, demeanor or your philosophy on your school will also dictate that those things as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think everything you said is makes it's such a very intellectual answer that you just gave us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but um, so here, there's another question that Lee. It kind of stems off of this because it's uh, Lewis's student and I, my student in in Florida. Uh, her name is Nicole, and she as uh, owns a fitness center, and they train physical fitness portions for you know professional athletes, NFL players, hockey players, and so on. And she wrote along with what Renshi Lewis said. Talk about how to keep classes for longtime clients, students, interesting. So as an owner of a fitness gym with outs with with an outstanding with outstanding retention, this can be a struggle. I'm sure martial art instructors can also relate to this as well. So um you know, you want to take that. So like, how do you keep it long-term? Like, so, you know, we can disguise repetition till we're blue in the face, but a front kick is going to be a front kick, right? So after a while, I found in my school, like people see those same four walls and the same bowing and the same, yes, sir. No, After a while, it becomes repetitively boring for them, no matter what, just because they burn out on the actual activity, not necessarily the movement. So how do we keep them engaged?
0: Yeah, well, let me uh, maybe describe it this way. Um, and now we don't do these anymore, um, but let's say that we did. So one-step sparrings. Right. You would think One-step sparrings, there's concepts within those that that, that you do, but it's basically it's a, it's a one-step, right? It's a linear thing. It's happening. You move, whatever, that type of thing. Right. Now you move them to the next level to then two-step sparring. Mm-hmm. And then you move them to the next level of three step sparring, but you don't teach three steps three step sparring first you're going to teach the the one step sparring first and then graduate them once they've developed that concept and that understanding and the know how then you can move them into the next ones and by the way that's not always true, meaning that yes they they know the moves for the one step sparrings don't understand the concepts, and then you bring in the the two step sparring and and uh, again, they learn the moves, but not the concepts. Um, you know, behind that, uh, those things. You know, you have you have uh, a, a problem. So I think, first off, lift your hand. Oh, you okay? All right, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna send
1: the link and put it into our page. And I was opening it up on YouTube, which teaches. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. You don't you don't uh, teach them three step sparrings first because they need to understand the one step uh, sparring. Uh, first, before you can then move them into those different types of, of concepts and principles. So, uh, like I'll give you a, for instance, I uh, I went into the intermediate class yesterday. They were they were working on a um, uh, self defense from a, like a carotid artery choke, right? And I just gave them I gave them maybe two new things to think about um, with within that choke. One was an arm bar. Mm -hmm. but a little bit differently than they were applying it before. And when I gave them that one small little um, change or, you know, paradigm shift, then it made a world of difference. And then the other one was with regards to the wrist lock that we have inside of it. Um, I had them rather than focusing on the wrist, I had them focus on the pinky knuckle with regards to the lock. And I don't know what we we call this uh, mock mock uh, um, six, but it's this lock here, right, where you, you're turning the pinky inward, um, and it's not just the wrist that that the lock is on. It right. really the pain's going to come from. Um, yeah, the metacarpal and
1: the pinky, that bone right there on the end of the hand, right?
0: Yeah, and so now we first taught them um, big. Motor skills just so they could understand the movements first. And then what I did is then I taught them some finer motor skills that go along with that. But had they not had the big motor skills first, they really wouldn't understand or, or get the, the fine motor skills if I would have taught those to them first, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that helps to build the longevity. When somebody's doing a technique, And then you're able to come along and say, great, man, you understand the big motor skill concept behind it. But now let me start to show you this fine motor skill concepts behind it and then the applications that go along with that. And I think that can be strategically done, meaning at beginner level, you know, again, you teach this and then intermediate this. And so it it starts to become more fine, fine, fine as, as time goes on.
1: Right. Yeah. I call that. I go to my kids. I say to them, it's, I point to my head and I do this and I say, it's laser beam focus, right? It's like taking a big, bright light and condensing it down into this fine beam. That light when becoming a laser could cut through steel, right? So it's all about expertise. I put in this thing for with SpongeBob called the lid. I wish we could watch it with everyone, but maybe people will click on it. It's sometimes how I feel as a teacher. It's hysterical. I show it to my students too, so it's not like a secret that I'm that I'm thinking this. But um, it's all about you know uh, SpongeBob asking this guy to take the lid off of a container, and he says, like, "Touch the lid," and the guy puts his hand in the air. Touch the lid. He touches the desk, and and it's our struggles of getting people to actually realize the words or understand the words we're saying. So in my my point to Nicole as well, I think it's so, so important that she – um, understands that like martial arts, fitness gym, whatever is you have to always inspire the desire for people to want to keep to learn at, at, especially so that, that it 's so important like you know when brand new students start they 'll come to your events they'll they 'll buy the equipment they 'll do the seminars right, and as they get and stay longer and longer they're they consider themselves dedicated because they 're regulars they keep going, but they 're less likely to engage because the excitement is worn off it 's like I always equated to marriage. Where um or dating when you meet the girl or the girl meets the guy and, you know, he laughs and snorts and the, the spouse says, oh, my God, that's so cute. Right. And, you know, the first time they spend time together, he snores or whatever it is. And, you know, and they're like, oh, that's cute. You know, and then after a few years of it, they're like, oh, my God, am I going to wake up every day next to this person snoring and snort. Right. It starts to get on your nerves. It's just called complacency. I teach that to my parents all the time in the doge, like complacency breeds contempt. The more we feel like, hey, we're comfortable here, we're, we're used to it here, um, and we have to break that cycle of complacency. We have to always keep them on their toes, sometimes throwing them for a loop, sometimes changing the workout entirely, changing how you approach them. Maybe you're so sweet and kind and caring. Now you got to be a little tougher with them or stronger with them, a little bit, maybe more serious and sit down and have a conversation. Say, do you really want to do this anymore? Because if not, why bother coming here and going halfway? You know, so it's about really connecting, and that's why I say to to, uh, Nicole and uh, back to Lewis as well. It's about connecting with those students, and also my only last thing is treat every single student as an individual because everyone has their own specific needs, wants, and desires. So get in their head and find out what they want. It's not about the masses. People aren't coming. In the masses, they're coming. They happen to be thrown into the masses, but they joined as an individual. So stay on that individual. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. The other thing I was going to add alongside of that is at each um, either belt level or system level, meaning like, again, I have beginners, intermediate, advanced, junior, black belt, black belt. If I were to, um, if let's say uh, beginners, has a concept or a theme or a uh, philosophy as a beginner and then intermediate has that same thing and it goes back to what you said it's this it's this uh laser beam focus point that moves on in um i've not done this but i've I've definitely talked and i've even talked to kenny uh bigby our friend kenny bigby about this is not just a saying but some sort of philosophy as a white belt. Right. You know, and, and, and uh, so not only having a student creed, but having a belt creed. Right. That would move them forward in their progression. And then on top of that would be the, the, the theme for that belt. So obviously like white belt, we just, we, we were uh, throwing ideas back and forth. But as you know, a white belt is a black belt that just never gave up. Right, and that would be the theme of of a white belt. This is brand new. It's going to be tough, but here's you know you you just you can't give up. And then at yellow belt, you know, I I always say that yellow belt doesn't stand for chicken in our system, you know. Um, And I don't know if that's the 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 creed that I want as a yellow belt, but something like you know what I mean. And I was just thinking, man, what if every single belt level had a a purpose or a mission or a creed, and I know everybody is an individual, but if we were all to look at our stats, we would probably see that at a specific level, more people quit at that level. Right. So if we were to be able to drill down on that level and understand maybe why and change what we could change, but if we could definitely change the – the focus. So for instance, let's say for me, it's a red belt with a black stripe, which we call it chodan bow. Right. So let's say that that's where it's at. And we came up with some sort of creed that preframed framed uh, that said something like, you know, showdown bo is the hardest level uh, to date. Uh, but, and I'm just trying to make this off the top of my head. Uh, yes. But knowing that gives me the power to, overcome that or just something, you know what I'm saying? But if, if, if we were to match the progress with the um, input, like the mental uh, input and the words that they're saying, you know, okay. So, you know, why, why do people buy a product? Well, they have a need and that, that individual marketer is speaking to that need, meaning that there's a conversation that's already going on in their head and then that marketer just comes alongside with that conversation. Well, what if our creeds did that? What if they, generically, this would be generic, but but every single bell had a different creed. And generically, not every student, but most students have uh, those same problems at those levels. Right. Um, and if those creeds matched those problems and were able to get, 80% out of the 100 that are going to stop at those levels, you know, so every level has 100% uh, of the people. So if you have, let's say, 20 people, uh, and uh, or 20 people at that level, and, and always one person quits at that level, right. always, right? right? If that could salvage that one person at that level every single time, or almost every single time, or 80% of the time, you would then, over a period of time, keep 80% more of those people at that level. Right, right. That would be the generic way of, I think, psychologically and mentally uh, either preparing that person for that level or, or getting that person through that level. Yeah. And or this would be the harder one coming up with different philosophies and creeds for different challenges that are happening to individuals. And then you would have to assign that to that individual, which I don't know i think that would be harder
1: yeah i i love i love what you're saying and it's interesting i um i have that in each one of my q level sheets which is the sheet for each belt level and um i developed that many many years ago in fact i did it in 2009 when i came up with this uh new curriculum written out so let me just read to you like so mu q is my beginner level mu is beginner right and um before white belt so it says uh this is the beginning in the level you begin your journey in the martial arts with no beginning and no end you will develop the martial art mind and the beginning to develop the character traits of the ninja a spiritual warrior um this level you have to learn to rate yourself on a scale of one to ten never giving up and the desire to become stronger and healthier that's the first level of what that mindset we're trying to get around that belt level. However, I have to tell you it's on the sheets, but we really never talk about it. And along with it, we also assign a, a certain level of physical exercise they have to do at that level, um, be able to do five jumping jacks. I mean, five uh, pushups, five sit-ups and 20 jumping jacks with and without your arms. Right? So then um, at my second level on the Q level, it says that this, this is white belt. Now at this level, your journey has begun. If practicing regularly, the martial arts becomes a part of your daily routine your mind body and spirit is getting stronger as you develop the black belt attitude you are now faced with your next personal challenge um learning the concepts of healthy competition and how to train with a partner your uke and, and and without a partner and then of course the physical exercises are elevated 15 push-ups 15
0: sit-ups 40 jacks both hands with and without your arms so i don't but see put- i wonder i wonder if those and i know we're getting off topic here but yeah. um I wonder if those couldn't be boiled down to, you know, seven words or five words or, you know, 10 words that would create an emotional response. And so what I mean by that, when we were Kenny and I were working on, um, you know, basically his his uh, tagline for his studio. Right. That would also encompass the mission um, for his studio. We, and I, gosh, now I'm going to mess it up, but basically, uh, uh, I think it says, it's uh, Dragonfly Martial Arts is the name of the studio, Mm -hmm. and it says, uh, Forging Elite Achievers. Right. We worked and worked and worked on that. One, the word forge, there is a tactile feeling with that with that word Mm -hmm. you know there is an action that's an action word forging um there's a feeling behind it elite um has a feeling behind it you know not just successful successful is not a word that's specific enough it is elite and because he's former navy seal that just goes right along with that And then obviously who doesn't want for themselves and, or their child to be an achiever. So his tagline is, you know, dragonfly martial arts, forging elite achievers.
1: Hmm.
0: Nice. And then what we talked about was, you know, uh, and I, and I said, and forgive me, this is the only way that I can really explain it. And I forget who said this, but, um, somebody said that if you, if you, uh, I don't need, what was it? I don't need to, uh, basically if I own the verbiage, then I own the country. Like I can own right. what's going on. Right. And so if we create the verbiage inside of our school and, and, and I don't want to say, uh, indoctrinate, but that's kind of what it is where they come alongside and, and they agree to these things willingly Not not, you know, uh, that we're trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes, but when the verbiage becomes those things, then they start to become those things. Right. Um, You know, you all we've all heard that we are, you know, we we are a product of the people, the five people that we hang around with. But that also is congruent with the words that those people use. We're, We're using those same words. Yeah. You know, uh, the, like, I don't like the, the phrase at the end of the day, right? You watch all these, uh, news shows and everybody s- makes themselves sound so smart by saying at the end of the day, well, why? Because that's what they're all saying. Like they're all hanging around the same people that's saying the same stuff. And at the end of the day is the term that they're using. Right. right and right. so I'm going to come on board and sound smart and say at the end of the day. Um, but the person that owns the language can dictate what's going on. Right. And so that's what we want to do in our studio is we want to own that language and get the buy-in for that language that goes along with it. I know I'm kind of getting off path here, but you kind of understand what I'm saying. I totally
1: do. And, um, and I agree. And I've heard that saying, I don't remember who it came from either, but it's kind of funny. Like, you know how I always say that we have so many similarities of what we do in the day of our call and what we talk about, because I just posted on Facebook today, a quote, and the quote basically said that, and you know this quote. I I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was something about your aptitude doesn't doesn't quite create your altitude or something like that. Let me pull it up. But but anyway, that quote was something that I just posted about how the right frame of mind. Is all you need. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are know, the physically the physically the best. You are the toughest. You are you know the smartest. But it's your attitude. Your not your aptitude. Your at create your aptitude creates your altitude. But I'll, I'll dig it up. But that's kind of what it was. What it was all about.
0: Well, it's your attitude, not your not. It's your attitude, not your aptitude that creates your altitude. That's
1: exactly the same. That's it, right? right? Yeah, there you go. So I, that's, so that was same thing that I just posted this morning, waking up. So, um, let's move on to some other questions because we already have, uh, you know, only two questions, almost, almost three answered because David Nemiroff, um, a client of mine and a great Aikido teacher and jujitsu teacher, very traditional martial artist. He asked, um, give me some of your tips, Dwayne, for like retention. So um, right now, uh, he he wants to just keep, uh, and we all do, wants to keep getting his retention better and better. So that old age old saying, in through the front door, out the back door, we sign him up today, but we lose, we got three today, we lose two tomorrow, and we're only growing a little bit at a time. So what we need to do is slow our retention down massively or, or slow our um, attrition down massively so that our retention is better, so that for every sign up, we grow by leaps and bounds because we're losing less as we're bringing them in the doors. So what are some quick tips that you have that you use within your school? Um, you know, that you would say for attention.
0: First off, uh, if you're not keeping statistics and how many people you're losing and how many people you are signing up, that's the first thing. Right. Um, not the answer that you're looking for probably, but that's your first one. Second one would be um, inside of those statistics where you're, where are you losing people? Right. So the, the, the bulk of the losses where what belt or belts um, ranks are 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 you losing them at and i I would do that first because you need need like what I would suggest then from there is you need to start asking yourself the question why why am I losing these people at these levels? So again let's say it's at Red Belt. That's two years into my program. What's happening at Red Belt? Um and and I would I would go and start calling some of the former red belts and saying yes. hey why did you leave what's going on you know I just and then maybe send them a gift for for doing some sort of survey with you so let me give you some insight so we did do that and and it really doesn't
1: have any real trends in specific ranking it's kind of across the board you know sure. maybe a few adults a few kids so um you know I we we looked into that and it's kind of hard to kind of narrow it down so um we did offer and we didn't do phone calls, but he also has a checkout, you know, quit, questionnaire, um, but it doesn't have an ethical bribe. I just told him that yesterday. Offer them a $5 Starbucks thing if they give you, a, you know, a good uh, questionnaire and fill it out honestly, right? So that's something, too. But so he doesn't really have that. So my suggestion to him was to really analyze the classes, right, to, you know, to see what people like. And maybe, you know, is is it him teaching or a student teacher or whoever, I have, you know, three or four teachers, Who's the who keeps people having fun, Who who has a boring class, who – grumpy old Sheehan Alley um, yelling at the kids sometimes like what what is it that jazzes and keeps people going um, so what are your thoughts on that
0: no I was gonna yeah that's the next level I was going to go to is uh, we, we personally try to keep the same instructors at the same levels, so that when we are tracking uh, our quit ratio I know who's teaching those classes um, so I know approximately if it is an, an instructional problem who that problem is?
1: if right. that makes sense. That totally. And that,
0: yeah, and then uh, the next the next thing is uh, all the other ways that we can get our students and or you know uh, parents to be connected inside of the school, and so some sort of regular progress checks. Maybe that's ha- happening at specific belt uh, levels. So meaning once they graduate out of beginners and they're moving into intermediate having some sort of progress check with the parents to see uh, what their or the person, if it's an adult, what their goals were up until this point. So kind of like the whole black belt success system, right? You know what you want, have a plan, a success coach, take consistent action, review your progress and then renew your goals. So at that time it would be review the progress and then renew the goals. And that could happen strategically at, at not probably every belt level, but, Uh, every uh, class change, meaning for like for me, from beginners to intermediate, intermediate to advanced, advanced junior black belt, you know, junior black belt, to black belt, what are your goals now? You know, that type of thing. If it's a kid continually getting that buy-in from the parent, that those um, sessions, if you will, are going to be vitally important because they're the ones that are going to keep their kid going or not what, you know, when they want to quit Type thing. They're the ones who are going to say, you know, uh, and so getting that buy in from the parent and strategically, I would say letting the parent know that, you know, so for like, for instance, we at beginner level, I let the parents know that there's going to be a part in our intermediate level that their kid may want to quit because they're they, they don't like sparring. That's what I hear. Right. I don't want my kid doesn't like to get hit. Maybe the parent doesn't like to see their kid get hit.
1: Yeah. Um, well, and they, well,
0: they. Didn't one of your parents,
1: well, your parents
0: well, say that? Yeah. that, right? About that, right? Yeah. Yeah, in that interview that we did. Um, but uh, you know, being but understanding that that's your kid getting punched in the nose isn't part of the process, but it is part of the process, and that needs to be crafted in a way that is palatable, and that would be. Probably like something like that would need to be said at that meeting, meaning moving from beginners to intermediate, getting them to understand that here's here's the reason why this happens. Uh, getting testimonials, like so. For instance, uh, I don't have many students that um, fail at the beginner level, hardly ever. I don't have many at the intermediate level that hardly ever fail, but at advanced, junior black belt. I do. And so like, I'll give you a, for instance, I had one lady, um, her child failed and she was not happy with her child failing, but she knew it was her child's fault.
1: Right. Right.
0: And so I asked her, I said, would you mind writing a letter on this whole experience? Not only just, you know, what happened, but cause this was probably, I asked about six months after her child that happened and then her child actually got through it. And the, and everything that went along with that, and I said, do you mind if I disperse that letter, meaning I'm going to give that letter out to people? And she's like, yes, absolutely. So at intermediate level, when you're graduating from intermediate to go into advanced, they get that. That's that's a letter that the parents get. So they understand that, OK, now it's in advance. It's going to be a little bit harder. But, you know, I didn't let my kid quit, even though they failed. In fact, failing for them motivated them to actually work harder. And part of that was, you know, me as a parent, um, you know, letting them know that, no, 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 we're not going to quit. You need to get serious about this and yada, yada, yada. And so taking those experiences and then strategically put, putting them into different things to educate. I think that's our biggest problem is that uh, our, our clients maybe aren't educated enough when they reach these um, points in their life be it with their kid or with themselves, and then how to get through that. That This is normal. This is going to happen. Yeah, you don't like it, but it, it's it's supposed to happen.
1: Yeah, you know what's funny? I just had this conversation with a mom. I'm all of a sudden hearing echo. I don't know why. Are you hearing that slapback echo a little? No, but maybe my uh, volume is too high. Okay, but uh, so – interestingly enough, my mom said to me, she did our back to school special. Now, normally they go from a back to school special. They love it. They go into our yearly program. But this mom said, I'd like to do the three month program. And I'm saying, are you not sure if you want to commit to the year? And she said, well, you know, we just don't know if he's going to love it for, you know, I said, but three months is really not going to give you enough time. I said, what you should do is commit for the year to show him and set some sort of regularity in his life and and so on and so forth. And I said, maybe it's, you're afraid that you can't commit to the air. I'm I'm not being negative, but I want you to understand that we want parents like you to want, to want to be committed to this program. So if he does want to stop, you say, no, If he does want to quit, you say it's not happening. You know, we want parents that are behind the program or maybe it's me. I said, maybe I just haven't won you over with all the benefits. So I said, if you need to take three more months for me to do that, I'd be more than happy to show you the results. However, you should maybe shift your mindset immediately to commitment versus scarcity, right, or being afraid to commit. If that makes sense. So um, so with with the I think it's about something that you said, it's all about language and verbiage, right? When we speak to a parent, when we speak to a student, it's how we communicate what we do to them. Right. And um, that also goes back to teaching as well. Like, you know, we expect people to respond to, hey, face front, face me, you know, about face, turn around, like all these commands that we've been doing for years and and kids are coming in or teens are coming in. I've never heard this type of verbiage used in a normal conversation you know so um that's why i put that spongebob thing up on on the thing there you can watch it later and you'll go oh my god this is exactly what we go through on a regular basis but let's move on so we had um i think we hit those retention things pretty heavy uh james had asked uh what is it that you do when you have a parent that has that has a different perspective on their child's ability they see things through parents' eyes. In other words, they are not doing as well as the parent thinks they are, and they think that they deserve a belt, and we don't agree, and instructors and students don't agree on that promotion yet. Um, it isn't that they're bad, that they just need more time, but the parents seem to be in a rush to get them to go somewhere. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. Boy, that one's that one's tough. Um Number 1, I think you got to be very delicate in your speech to a parent that is uh wanting the best for their kid but they just they just can't see what you're seeing. There 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 is no objectiveness to them. Right. Um and I do I think that you should give them the belt rank? No. Right. Um but maybe set some sort of and, and not knowing the specifics, you know, but maybe setting some sort of parameters to say, you know, Hey, look, Johnny's not meeting this, this, and this. Um, I'd be more than happy to do a private lesson with him and let's go over these things so that we both can see how this is, you know, how, how well he does. Right. And then pointing, pointing it out as it happens inside of that private lesson, mm-hmm. I think is, um, uh, might be good again not knowing the exact uh you know situation but uh pointing it out and and then getting that buy-in from the parents let's just take it to jumping jack he's not doing his jumping jacks correctly meaning that his you know his uh legs aren't separating as his arms are coming up to the top you know his legs are coming together stating what's supposed to happen and then physically showing it and then saying you know mom do you see what he needs to work on oh yeah Yeah, I see that. Okay. So what we need is we need to work on that first in order to, and now let's take the next technique. You might have to painstakingly do that. Um, And now if they still don't get it, I'm not sure I know what to do from there. Um, It would just be that, you know, we're not seeing eye to eye. You're not having a good time here, Mrs. Jones. Maybe we need to part ways, uh, that type of thing. If it becomes but I just think if you were to do it in a private lesson and, and let them you know visually see it and get that feedback immediately from them, yeah. you might have a better buy in uh, from the parent.
1: Yeah, here's another add on to that. One of my other clients had just recently had a conversation with me on this and he said that the parent, one parent was up for renewal and they said they weren't renewing yet they were looking at other schools because they they feel like their philosophies are different than his. Now, um, their problem was that they said, oh, you advertise within your classes. And, and we don't like when you say you're going to have a Halloween party or you're going to you know do a special event or you're going to do this. We don't feel that you should be marketing to our kids. If you want, market to the parents. Um, meanwhile, the person does that in the lobby and puts things out. But sometimes we're mentioning events. Hey, we're excited. Halloween party's coming up. So, so he felt like, Hey, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. You know, I said, no, just because one person is complaining um, doesn't mean you do that forever. And I, I told him what you said to me too. It's like taking that mouth and forming it into that circle and saying those words, no, right? And um, I said that that's important. We have to, you know, our kids aren't going to always get what they want. So not only, maybe you don't like the philosophy, but it's a good lesson for your child anyway, because they have to understand that sometimes they don't get what they want. So you as a parent, if you don't want them to go to the summer camp or go to the parents' night out or go
0: to this or that, um you could say no. And that's a good lesson too. But I said- to- Well, let I me, mean- Let me say this, too, real quick, uh, because when we do that now, um, we also, when we do an announcement, so let's say we're going to do an announcement for the Nerf Wars, right, the uh, zombie Nerf Wars that we have, even though it's sold out now. But uh, let's just say it was still open. We just say, hey, look, this is what's going on. Uh, There's only X number of spots left. But listen, if your parents say no, no means what? No, sir. All right. So we covered it. Exactly. I know. And that's
1: interesting because certain times when we're fearful of losing people because they might clash with our philosophies, they don't like something we're doing. I used to also, as a young instructor, get nervous, right? Like I don't want to lose people because, hey, oh my God, if they're unhappy, maybe six other people are also unhappy. However, the one thing I did learn is that, and and by the way, this happened when I would go out and I don't know if this ever happens to you and there's maybe a few people in your class and you, and I used to moan and groan to the few people that were there. Like, I can't believe it. You know, we have 55 adults and only four showed up. Like what the heck is going on and blah, blah, blah. And I get all worked up and I'd work them really hard and I was angry. And then one time one of my students came to me and said, you know, we're here. And we're taking the punishment for the people who didn't show up. And I had this epiphany and I realized like, I got to teach to those individuals that are there. You have to create an environment that people love. And if they love it, the few that don't like it, my teacher from Japan said, there's always a door. Sometimes it makes them come in. Other times it lets them go out. He said, but you're not going to appeal to everyone. And that's why, you know, back when I was a kid, there were like four flavors of ice cream when I was, you know, seven or eight years old. Now there's like 158 flavors, right? Um, Right. To appeal to almost everybody out there, but we have to not, I don't think that we should really kowtow or bow down to or adjust our principles and concepts for that one or two individuals that don't love us. That's okay. Go somewhere else. I'm not going to try to, because the ones that do love us, if I change how I am, then the the masses that love me are not going to be happy, right? So get rid of the negative people, I say, nicely. Say, listen, I might not be the person for you. I don't know if this is, if, if we, our philosophies conflict so much, maybe it's time to Find somewhere that you feel more comfortable.
0: Um, yeah, and I, you know, I like uh, Melody Schumann said this one time, and she, when she was, you know, letting people go, that she just said, you know, look, I, I'm not, and it was mainly with individuals that, if I'm remembering the the context correctly, ADD maybe
1: autism and things like that.
0: Yeah, and she just said that I'm, you know, look, Mrs. Jones, I, I, unfortunately, I'm not equipped to be able to help your child. Right. Right, best
1: thing, right? Yeah, and also, same thing for a parent. I I might not be equipped, Dwayne, to to be able to keep you happy because of my philosophies are slightly different. I get that. That doesn't mean we can't be friends. Like, I, I just had a lady from Canada curse me out just today on Facebook because she didn't like that I was sticking up for the president, but in a way saying, like, there's not one thing you think he did right. Like, not everything is bad. She's like, you know, screw you, you're this, you're that. I'm going like, God, you can't just agree to disagree, not when it comes to this. The president. I don't disagree. And I'm like, no, but you got to have an open mind, like be open to understand. No, nah, she just was vicious. Right. So certain people, you're just never going to change their mindset. Right. It's just the way they think. And they only see your attempt to appease them as being you know, disrespectful or, you know, um, you know, uh, I don't know, trying to couch out down to them and they don't like
0: that either. OK, so yeah, I just think that I would uh, again, going back to that answer, I, I would I would do a private lesson and get live feedback from that parent when the move or moves aren't to where they're supposed to be. Okay. So that answers that question. And it leads
1: into the next one was like, and you, we kind of touched on this, um, funny how they lead into each other. But the next question was from Bert and he wrote, how do you get rid of people who are more work and stress than not? What do you do when parents disagree with your principals and how you run your school? Um, do you bend to their will or do you get rid of them? And we kind of talked about that a little, but um, what I remember you told me you had an issue with the parent and the parent was trying to force you to tell them what your problem was that you didn't like. And you kept saying, I can't service you anymore at at this time. And they're like, but what's wrong? Like, is it I, I just can't service you like you wouldn't give them something to fuel the fire. No. You basically just said, I really just can't I can't do it
0: anymore. You know, and yeah, I just all all I said was I can't service you or your your children anymore. Yeah. What what does that mean? I said, I, I can't service you or your children anymore. Are you kicking us out? I said I can't service you or your children anymore. Right, right. So I, I just was, kept repeating that and then
1: finally she left. And you know what I've had More so than not, you know, you love to help people and that one kid who's like a problem, right? And you put so much time and effort into trying to make that kid's life turn around and, um, yeah, I, it, it seems like that In by doing that, you're you're scaring more people away. Like, for example, I had a, a child who was autistic, um, a little bit higher on the spectrum. So he was functional within class, but he had his moods. One day he was perfect. The next day you don't know what he would do. He would bite scream spit one time just out of nowhere my daughter was sitting in front of him when she was younger and he just punched her in the back of the head for no reason right so of course i was angry but you know i kind of kept my cool and and reprimanded and all this other stuff well anyway lo and behold many parents were very afraid to have their child in the classroom with that kid so i would lose people without even knowing that this was the case and um and then here's the, the kicker After all this time, I would always assign a helper to work with that child. So I was paying someone in essence by the hour to babysit that kid. So I I mainly lost money on tuition, right? And then when renewal came after her second year of me torturing myself two years, right? Um, She says, you know what? We're going to go down the block. They they said they would give it to me for $15 cheaper. So if you can't meet or beat that price, I'm not going to come. And I'm like, thank you so much that I'm glad you found somewhere else that could handle your stuff because for years I've been losing money on tuition and and I've scared away more students by having your child in the class than not and and I've had that not only with kids with autism but just troubled moms and parents that are complaining and they're bickering always can I have a meeting with you can I have a talk with you can I sit down with you and you're like oh my god another 20 minutes one time my daughter was outside doing her homework in a separate office but she could hear the conversation I talked to this one mom and and it, I I felt like rocky in rocky one um and you know i you know why isn't my son gonna get his blue belt well listen these are the reasons why well how come blah 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 i swear to god like 40 minutes finally i'm like okay uh do you understand and then you know what she says to me no i just want to know when he's getting his blue belt i go i just wasted 45 minutes of my time with you he's not getting his blue belt until i feel he's ready now get out and they didn't renew the following year um but at the same time my daughter came in and she was like had a look on her face she's like you told her 50 different ways to sunrise, right? How and why, and she just didn't hear a word you said. And at the end, instead of saying goodbye, I understand. She said, well, no, I want to know when he's getting his blue belt. And then I just said, you're not, he's not, tough luck. You know, that kind of thing. So I've wasted so much time and lost more people by trying to appease those bad people, bad students, troubled students, bad parents, troubled parents, whatever. Um, So I suggest sometimes is uh, just get rid of them
0: nicely well and that's why you know i created the three strike rule um i took a lot of those concepts from uh melody schumann because she was talking about you know that, that that type of stuff and yeah so it was uh, quite uh quite an eye-opener and then we just had to develop you know what what consist, constitutes a strike and uh and then move from there and and then actually follow through with it but other than that you know, it, it's it's so it's so much it, where I'm not I'm not letting go people based upon emotion. It's based upon the rules that are written. Right. right. Whether you uh, know the rule, but we give you chances like, you know, after you get your when you get your first strike, we're going to have a meeting mm -hmm. and 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 tell you that you know second strike is around the corner if you continue this and third strike you're out the door so they already know after the first strike that that there's that opportunity that they could leave you know what I mean
1: right yeah you know and that's and, and not being afraid to do it I think that that's the key not being nervous about saying hey listen um we just and and look at I recently had um recently it's within like almost almost two years now um where i had a student pick up and leave and you know drag a bunch of people and and poison their minds but when i real i I blame him for it but then i realize now too that it was a blessing in disguise right so i'm happy that uh these people are gone because they created this environment where i was not interested in teaching anymore. Not happy to be at my school anymore because I was always trying to appeal to them and it never was enough. And I'm like, I'm a martial artist with 50 years experience, a seventh degree black belt. I once had a mom, one of these moms, the negative moms, who said to me, you're not teaching that move correctly. And I'm like, I, I can see if they said, oh, you didn't treat my son nicely. You didn't talk to them this way. But I'm like, how do you know that I didn't teach the move correctly when I'm the one teaching the move that you've never seen before ever. And you have nothing to compare it to unless you were in the classroom in Japan with me. Um, how would you know? Like, that's my point of the, and it was just that kind of mindset and that kind of poison and toxicity that I had around now my school. I, and you know, this, I'm so excited. It's blissful now because it got rid of all of the, you know, the illnesses, the, the disease within my school through these group of people. We did have one other question, but we're running out of time. But it was uh, um, Hanchi Terry Macaron, who is a um, longtime martial artist in my area. He wrote, coming into the holiday season, discuss how to post online for student gifts, like gift cards for uniforms or books or equipment. It's a good question. Um, so I uh, want to end with a quick thing on that and and we'll close it up.
0: Yeah, do me a favor. Say the question again, because I wasn't listening as if there was a, a test at the end. Okay, so it said, um, coming into the holiday season, discuss
1: how you could post online, like school owners could post online for, for student gifts, like gift cards, uniforms, books, equipment. Like, what's your th- theory on, on the, those type of promotions? You do it, I do it, so.
0: Yeah, I would say you're probably better at it than me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, – see I, – I don't do like a holiday sale with regards to, um, you know, come into the studio and that type of thing. I, I mainly get my stuff through century. So I get the century catalog. I I put a sticker on it that talks about everything. Um, I put dates on it. We, 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 I, I do put stuff on social media, um, about it. I put stuff through email to them about it. I got posters up at the studio. We're talking about it in class. Um, you know, so that's, that's probably the bulk of what I do. So you sell
1: in class? Like, how dare you? No, I'm just kidding. I, I and yeah, no, I do. I do. But yeah, yeah but you know what? It, it's subtle selling. Like it's more reminders than anything else. Like I'll, I'll tell parents and I started saying this now in, and I sent out an email, if you're going to think about buying a Christmas present in the, in the fall, so you know, the holiday season, Think about how you can accomplish two goals at once and save money. Like, for instance, rather than buying an ugly sweater or the video game that might not get played, but little Johnny needs sparring gear, weaponry, and something else, buy that now and get it for him and put it under the tree. Um, They're going to get what they need because you're going to buy it anyway, but it's going to appeal, or appear as a gift. Um, and uh, they're going to open more gifts, but you're going to spend less money in the long run, right? And also the second thing I always suggest is if you, your kid loved baseball, right? If your kid was a fanatic and he had a favorite team, Boston, Yankees, whatever, um, and you were into it as a parent, you maybe take him to a game, you maybe buy him a hat, you might buy him a yearbook or get him baseball cards or a jersey, Why are we not as parents doing that with our kids? Because we know that the martial arts is life changing. Why don't we dig them in a little bit deeper and get them the things that make them tie into the martial arts? And that's something that parents need to do more of. Yeah, it it sells more retail for us, but really it also cements them in for a longer period of time. If everything is martial arts, they're going to stick around for longer. If you want to push out that time period, not as a, as a teacher or a school owner, but if the parent wants them to stay longer, you have to keep them engaged longer, right? And you have to give them new things, excite them. Like when people want to quit my school, I often try to upsell them to black belt Club. And they're like, well, yeah, well, they're like, why would I want to stay? They want to quit. Why would I join the Black Belt Club? I said, they're probably wanting to quit because they're so used to doing the same thing over and over again. Why don't we shake it up and put them in a different program, get a fancier uniform, give them some assignments, you know, work hard or go to different seminars and so on. They're like, oh, that makes sense. Right? And it really does if you think about it. Rather than yeah. quitting, you know, if you're at the gym and you're sick of working out, get a personal trainer that could be on your back and yell at you and motivate you so that you're forced to show up because they're waiting for you and you're going to pay anyway.
0: Right? Right?
1: Right. Makes sense? Yeah, that's,
0: yeah, that's funny. That's, I'm, I'm going to quit. quit. Now let me upset
1: you. Yeah, well, let, well why would you want to quit? I'm bored. Well, no you won't be anymore because I have the program for you,
0: right? That kind right, of right, right, right.
1: I mean it doesn't work all the time, but it, for a good majority of the people they think about it and go that makes total sense. You know. I they're helping themselves fail because they're only doing the same old, same old every day. You know, the old saying, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It's the same thing with motivation. You know, you got to change it up. Yep. Agreed. Awesome, dude. Good call, man. I love it. I think that you had great insight. You were very, very, very intellectual from, from the start. <laughs> <laughs>
0: appreciate it. All right.
1: Well, I appreciate your time, man. All right. Thank you. And um, any other questions, send them away, put them on the post. Uh, we will answer them afterwards in written form.
0: So uh, yeah, well, I just want to say to, uh, you know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, you know, feel free to go to uh, 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 school And on this particular uh, post, I'll also put uh, the video that Ali had put on there uh, with regards to the SpongeBob. Uh, said- um, what's that? watch it yet no uh uh-uh. okay when you get a
1: chance you're going to see exactly what i mean because if you teach and it's no discredit to students it's just generational and um it seems more so now than it did when i first opened my school 28 years ago but i think it's and by the way let me close i wrote down language and formatting of a classroom is that we sometimes think basic english language is good enough for that child or student but if you have like four-year-olds five-year-olds seven-year-olds and you're saying face me they're like, what does that mean, face me? So I say, face me, you know, like, and get them to, and then turn your body. And I, and I have to literally program them from day number one. It's the biggest mistake that schools make where they take a kid and his first day of school, they put him in a classroom he has that little sticker on his chest, and then they go, uh, He's not listening. Well, he's never been taught how to sit up, how to learn, how to listen. You know, maybe the parents didn't do that, or maybe they did it at home, but it's a totally different environment. So, our job is to institute the language and the format into that child so they can be better learners throughout the rest of their lives.
0: Right. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, again, if you're listening to this podcast, go to schoolonertalk.com forward slash one eight. Eight. So this is the 188th call uh, and you can uh, get the show notes, but then also um, watch that video as well. Thanks, Ali. All right. Thanks, man. Have a great day. See ya.